What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Taja Elder, and you are listening to Black Miss with Black Podcast. And today I have a guest with me. Guest, introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. Hey, y'all. My name is Matt Moody. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and I am currently a teacher in Dallas, Texas, ninth grade algebra. Okay, Mr. Moody. So I like to call him President Moody because he will be (laughs) the president of the United States. If you did not know, you would know. So, President Moody, first of all, where'd you get that nickname from? Oh, uh, well, in 2016, I was my senior class president, and it kind of stuck. Uh, my family, as I grew up, a lot of family friends would call me uh, Mr. President. I decided to run for class president in 2016, won, and it stuck from there. Yeah, so do you think that people like who went to school with you, they believe you're actually going to be the president oh, of the United man, States? Oh, I, I would hope so. <laughs> people because, say it all the time. Because people still call you president to this day. Yeah, all the time. It's crazy. It's so funny. And what high school did you go to in Cleveland? Cleveland Early College High School on John Hayes campus. Okay, so you went to CMSD Public School. Oh, yeah. So I actually went to John Hayes as well. We just went to a different part of the school and I'm not going to explain that because hey it's house. very confusing but hey house it's the hey house hey house okay so what college did you go to and then what was your major yeah so my first year I actually uh, committed to American University in Washington DC uh, while there I realized that I there was more of a need for me to be here in Cleveland but also that the education program at American uh, was was strictly focused on private education. So one of the major breaking points that I had was, I believe it was in March of 2017, and I was having a conversation with some of my peers, and we were having conversations about urban education, and we went to this conference, and um, people, someone told me that they wanted to fix urban education and what I realized well at least my perspective in the moment was if you didn't grow up in the hood you can't fix the hood (laughs) and I decided that that was going to be a reason that I came back to Cleveland and so I came back to Cleveland I went to Cleveland State for my final three years of undergrad and when I returned I actually had already had a relationship with the school district and got in contact with the CEO and he said that he would love for me to represent students on the SAS uh, planning committee. And so that led me here. Wow. Thank you so much for um, answering that question. And I noticed that you did say um, that, you know, if you didn't come from the hood, you can't fix the hood. Can you elaborate a little bit more about what that means to you? For me, it really just means looking at kids who, not only kids, but kids and, and adults who grow up in in bad situations and people don't really understand what their situation is like. And so we often get uh, caught up in this white savior complex where we want to do good things for people who come from underprivileged communities and yet don't want to take the time to sit down and understand what those communities look like. And so it's a real big belief of mine that it really is the people who grew up in those situations that understand the situations the most and can make the most impact. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Being that I went to a CMSD public school as well, um, we, you know, all throughout my life I did, and then I went to E-Prep as well. But while at public schools and even at E-Prep, 
Sorry, you prep. I love you guys so much. You know that. <laughs> um, but just my experience in school overall in Cleveland, um, we had teachers who were, like you said, not from the hood. They didn't understand our experiences. So uh, my question to you is, with teachers who don't come from the hood, who haven't even taken that time to understand the other obstacles that children from the hood, the things that they experience, how do you feel that that impacts their work? It impacts the teacher's work? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it has a great impact on teachers' work. I, I think that if you are going to, and I always say that, you know, there there are a lot of other issues. There are issues that are happening in suburban communities. There are issues that are happening in rural communities that we don't understand. But my focus is on urban. And so when there are teachers who refuse to, you know, you don't necessarily have to live in the communities that your kids live mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But if you have some kind of fear of being in that community, then there's an issue there. Because where, what is the reason for that fear? Where is that idea coming from? Because when have you seen those aggressive tendencies from kids that you have day-to-day interactions with? You tend to not have seen those situations. And so I think that teachers who don't, uh, don't go into the job in working with urban kids and, and understanding what their home lives are like or understanding what their day-to-day interactions with other people outside of the school is like, I think that those teachers, they're doing a disservice to young people in urban spaces. And so I'll be the first person to say, um, and a lot of people don't like it, if you don't believe that you can get yourself into the trenches, you need not to be in this sector of education. You can go to suburban education. You can go to rural education. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done in both of those areas. My concentration is in urban. And so I've had peers who have said, I want to be in urban education. And I look at those peers and they do not reflect or their actions don't speak for what they're trying to portray to me. And so I've told people straight up, you need not to join urban education. And I, if I was in a position of power, would do everything in my ability to not allow you to get to that point because it's damaging to young people. And you don't want to get teachers comfortable in a system because we have a good union and because we, um, you know, there are benefits of being in urban education that are personal benefits. I don't want people to take those selfish routes because ultimately it has negative impacts on kids. That was really, really powerful. Um, It's really interesting and really cool to hear an educator speak this way, Um, being, you know, a product of school (laughs) Um, and just, you know, looking back on my experiences with teachers that I feel didn't understand me and the struggles that I went through outside of school. So, um, and, you know, people say that teachers really are like we need them the most, but they're undervalued. And so I know you grew up hearing that because I grew up hearing it. And so what made you become a teacher? There's a lot of things that I want to do in my life. I would love to be in medicine. I would love to be in politics. I would love to do so many different things. But I believe that at the core of all of that is a good education. And that goes hand in hand with this idea that people always say that you don't need to go to college to be able to be successful. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And the work that I've done in the city 
wraps around that idea of you don't have to go to a traditional two or four year institution to be successful. We need people who are going into trades and who are well trained in those areas. Um, at the end of the day, the best doctor needed a teacher, the best politician needed a teacher, right? And so what I saw was an opportunity for me to help shape and mold future leaders who often don't see themselves in positions of power. And that's something that I want to break. I don't want my kids to think that they can't be something. And so every week I show my kids some random profession where you would tend to think that it's a, uh, a white person in that position of power, but we can see African-Americans or Asians or Latino-Americans or people in the LGBTQ community. So there's so many marginalized communities that have great representation. We just don't talk about them enough. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so um, in regards to education, you spoke a little bit about what you did with the Say Yes program. I have listeners who are like from all over, being that I went to college in Bowling Green. So I have Michigan friends and friends in Chicago and things like that. And so um, what would you, if you could sum up with the Say Yes program, could you tell us a little bit more about that and then like the role that you played and why it was important? Yeah, so the entire point of Say Yes is to destroy, and I don't, I don't mean that lightly, it is to destroy childhood poverty and to break generational poverty in ways that we've never been able to do in this city. And so what we, um, and when I say we, I mean leaders from across so many different sectors in Cleveland believe is that the way for us to be successful is if we um, invest in our own. And so we get that Fortune 500 companies are not going to come and build their headquarters here in Cleveland, right? The mistake on the lake. So we have to build for our kids. We have to build an education system that's going to be beneficial for them and that's going to get them to a point that they can be successful. And so the entire idea of Say Yes is to give students, um, if you attend a CMSD high school or partner charter for your four years of high school and graduate, you know, there's there's no uh, GPA requirements, there's, there's nothing else like that. And you also have to live in the city. As long as you meet those two requirements, you get a last dollar tuition scholarship to any public institution in the state of Ohio. And so the reason that's so important is because we know in Cleveland, we call it a boomerang city. That means people leave and they tend to come back, right? Just like you did. They yeah. leave and they ultimately come back to serve their community. And so that's very, very much so a huge idea is giving students the financial means but what we know about our kids is that not only do they need the financial means they need the systems of support to be able to get them to that point point. and so say yes also provides our students with uh, support services um, and that final year of rollout is going to be this upcoming school year so every single cmsd school and partner charter is going to have a family support specialist where if a families dealing with something like an eviction, which so many of our families do, the family support specialists can get them in contact with an eviction attorney at no cost or very, very low cost to them to be able to manage that situation and know that their rights in that situation. Because what we know is that our kids, they bounce around from school to school because they're getting evicted from year to year or month to month. 
and you can't learn effectively in those kinds of situations. So that's just a small example of what the say yes model could ultimately do. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I definitely, I did not get the say yes program, you guys, but <laughs> but I'm so grateful that it is. I, I believe that I'm the type of person where I want things to be better for the next generation. And I'm so grateful that they have this opportunity. I'm so grateful that people like President Moody were putting in the work and doing the things and writing the policies to make this happen. Uh, being that I am from Cleveland, I'm so proud to see, be a CMSD graduate, especially with the CS program. And so you did mention this. So I just want to bring it up. And, you know, what made you leave Cleveland? Because some of us, we leave, like you said, we leave for school and we come back to our city to make an impact. You made an impact <laughs> and then you left. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what made you leave Cleveland? Yeah. So there were a lot of people who said that my decision to leave Cleveland was arguably the worst decision I was probably going to make in my life. And I didn't see it that way at all. What I saw was a possible, an opportunity for me to expand my horizons, for me to see what else is out there in the world. All that I know is Cleveland. And so I knew that there are so many other incredible opportunities, not only in our country, but also outside of our uh, borders, our domestic borders. And so I actually had thought um, and very, very early on in my senior year that I was going to join Peace Corps and actually teach in Ghana. And that ultimately broke down a little bit. And I began to look into a program called Urban Teachers, where I would be able to get my master's in teaching and uh, learn from professionals. And I ultimately was able to choose between DC, Baltimore, or Dallas. And I chose Dallas because I lived in DC for a year. Baltimore kind of know what they're like and I wasn't necessarily too fond of going there. So I chose Dallas, Texas, an area that I had never been. And I did a ton of research on it and ultimately found that it's one, arguably the fastest growing metropolitan area in the country. And so I made the decision to join Urban Teachers. Uh, but I think, and we had this conversation when I came in today, and I, I want to have the viewers think about or the listeners think about it as well. What's one great thing that has come out of the pandemic? And for me, one of the major things was an opportunity for me to sit back and think because I was at home and I made the decision that I know that I want to be in administration one day in education. And so to get a master's degree in teaching was not the most financial responsible, financially responsible decision, but it also wasn't in terms of the long run what I wanted to do. And so the good thing that came out of the pandemic was that I was able to sit down and think. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I fell in love with Dallas because of urban teachers. I started to apply to Dallas ISD got the job and I'm currently at a school that is 10 times in terms of student population 10 times the size as my high school and it it's crazy insane. <laughs> yeah I can't imagine yeah 4,500 kids oh, wow. wild what yeah. is that population like what does that population look like so that population is 99% minority population of that 99%, we're looking at just about 75% um, uh, Latinx population. Um, and then the other 25% is uh, African-American for the most part. We do have refugee students and uh, students that have come from many different countries. Um, but it, it's a really, really 
interesting place because it's one or less than one percent white and so it's really really I love it because I'm able to engage with kids who society tells them they can't do something and I'm and myself and my colleagues are there to show them that they can wow that's so powerful I don't 4,500 students, that's a lot. 4,500. That's a lot of students depending on you. Um, We have like 700 staff. So at any given time, you know, pre-COVID days, we can have 5,000 people in the building at one time. It's a campus. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine going to school, to a school that big. (laughs) Um, College was a lot. Um, And so what sorts of things did you have to consider when making this decision? Because you moved like across the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So major thing to consider is um, obviously finding the place that you're going to live. Right. I I didn't I, I had never been to Dallas. I literally visited once or twice before. And. But you got to find out where you got to live. And so I made the decision to live in a uh, community which is fairly close to my school. Um, and it's really, really a, a really nice area. And there's really not anywhere um, that is a bad area in Dallas. I, I, don't be- I don't believe in thinking about areas as bad. What is, what's the good that's in that situation? Another major thing for me was I knew that I was going to be leaving everything behind and everybody. And so what kind of support system was I going to have? That was going to be, that's something that I had to hash out, right? And Mm -hmm. it's something I didn't necessarily hash out before I left. And, you know, I'm, this is one thing that I'm incredibly open about and people get very shocked when I say it. I am a black man that has struggled with many mental health issues Moving 1,200 miles away magnifies those issues because you don't have anybody else there to help keep you off the edge. And so my first two months there, I really just had to figure out how how it was that I was going to think about myself and help keep myself sane. And so I ultimately just kept positivity. That's the number one thing that I always try to keep in my life and try to exude to other people and I have horrible days some days but I wake up and I and my kids think it's the corniest thing ever but it's it's something I actually do every single day I wake up as I go into the bathroom to take my shower I look at myself in the mirror I say today's another day let's make it happen I love that we have to do that because what happened the day before should not have to dictate what is happening to you in that present day. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And so, wow, that's, I mean, because I moved out of the city and it was a lot for me. And so to so think like you really moved out the state, yeah. President Moody, you the left region. the state. Out the region. Out the region. Um, <laughs> and so there's many students, CMSD students, who are wanting to leave the state as well. And so what a piece of advice, if you could just give them one piece of advice, what would you give them? Do it. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, you're young. You have the ability to make that leap, right? And I know that there are some of our students who deal with, the, they have other responsibilities, Right. For some of our students, they may have children currently. Mm -hmm. They may have families that they are working for and trying to provide for. You can figure those things out. It just takes talking to somebody and and being an adult about it and 
taking that leap. But I think for me, the biggest thing is just take a leap. Just do it. Because Will Smith, all right, and I'm wearing this this thing that says seek discomfort on it right now. This is something I've lived by for the last two, three years of my life. Will Smith said that God put the most blissful experiences in life on the opposite side of our greatest fears. And wow. <laughs> one of, you know, the majority of our population, one of their biggest fears is being alone and yeah. taking huge risks and taking huge leaps. And I decided to do that. I was terrified. My mother left. <laughs> I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I'm alone. Oh. But you, you're, you're able to build your own. And if you have people who you can call and keep in contact with and just text or Snapchat or whatever you need to do just to have those conversations as you're trying to build your way and find your way in your new space, you're going to, to thrive in that situation. So it doesn't matter who it is. Literally, I have people who I'd never talked to before who um, connected with me because of something that I posted on Facebook. And they're like... Oh, can we start talking? I'm like, yeah, give them my number. They call me like every weekend. I'm like, of course we can talk. Why not? You know what I mean? That, that's what we should be doing for each other. I love that. Thank you so much. And so I, I've been wondering this. I'm sure everybody's wondering this. Would you come home anytime soon or ever? <laughs> anytime soon. So I, ever, yes. Okay. <laughs> anytime yes. soon. Can we put a five quantity? Five years. No. Okay. No, it won't happen within five years. Um, and the reason for that is I want to be able to have those experiences. I want to be able to go to other places and learn as much as I can from them and bring it back to Cleveland. And so me coming back here in five years is definitely not enough time for me to be able to absorb things. Um, and so we are currently rolling into, I believe, year four or five of Say Yes, um, of giving out scholarships. I, and it's a 25-year model. I really don't see myself returning until the end of that model. And I really think that, um, and I would love it to be a Cinderella story, that as we prepare to come close to the end of that 25 years, I'm preparing to make my transition back to Cleveland and make my transition back into a uh, position of power in our district to be able to continue the things that we did over those last 25 years and to not have it stop at that point, to help keep it pushing through. I think it's an incredible Cinderella story of somebody who helped build it coming back and making it happen again for another two generations. It's incredible. But soon, I don't think so. Guys, I'm over here with my sad face because even though I'm happy for him, I'm sad because he's so amazing, so awesome, and we are all selfish in Cleveland and want him to ourselves. Um, and so, do you know what the imposter syndrome is? I do not. Okay, so let's talk about the imposter syndrome. And so that's like when you're in a situation or maybe you're in a space and you feel like you're not worthy of being there or maybe people have made you feel like, mm, why are you here kind of thing. Um, I think a lot of students, black students specifically, we experience it when we're in white spaces or we're in 
large classrooms and we're the only black student or you look across and that's the only black student so um have you ever experienced something like that it may not have been like in the white space but just in general and how did you deal with that oh absolutely so something that i have always heard from other people and i myself have dealt with my own image issues and saying you know you're not what people say you are you're not this great guy and you know you're going to do great things and I used to tell myself that all the time and I I think I turned like 19 or 20 and I was like dude stop telling yourself that you know what I mean because ultimately if you keep telling yourself that you're going to that's gonna be you and so I do remember um would say yes I joined the planning committee and I'm a kid 19 years old and I'm surrounded by all of these you know I'm the youngest person in the room by far, right? Everybody else is, you know, 45 years or much older. <laughs> yeah. About, you know, in their late imagine. 50s, late 60s. And you go, well, why am I here? You know, what is my role? What is my purpose? And you, I, I kept that same kind of idea for months. And then I started to realize I'm here to help build the path from what kids are and where they can be. Right. And yeah. so the thing that I tell people all the time who feel as though they're uncomfortable in a space, embrace that. Because if we are having conversations where we're not like, let's say we're having conversations about race and, or just injustice in general. If we're comfortable having those conversations, we're not having a productive conversation at all. Because those situations are Agreed. not something that should be comfortable at all. And so... If you're comfortable sitting in a room, you're complacent. Yes. Very much so complacent. And so how can you take yourself and say, yeah, maybe other people that look like me or have grown up in the same situations as me as me haven't done this before. But why does that mean that I can't talk about this thing with say yes all the time of human capital is a real thing? We match every single Say Yes scholar up with a mentor, um, somebody who has has their bachelor's degree. Um, for the most part, they live in Cleveland and they're, they're doing different things, right? Deans at Tri-C, you know, just so many different things, you know, people are um, contributing to the program. That entire point is to have somebody who not only can help you get through your post-secondary experience, mm-hmm. but can also be useful in what so many of our kids lack and this is the reason so many of our kids end up being quote-unquote stuck in cleveland Mm. human capital human capital is a huge thing it is a real thing we to our viewers who don't know what that is can you explain what that means oh yeah so if you everybody knows this saying it's not what you know it's who you know it's who you know right Mm -hmm. that's a horrible thing right because you should know what you're doing Right. Yeah. But when you know somebody else who's in a powerful situation or a powerful position, they can help you also get to those positions. And so often and for the majority of our kids, we don't have they don't have those kinds of connections. Mm -hmm. They don't have that ability or that pathway to get into what they want to do. And so they ultimately come to a dead stop and they say, well, I got this degree and now I can't get a job with it. Well, and sadly, that's just kind of how our society works. Networking is important, guys. Pay attention. Right. And so 
networking is arguably the biggest thing for young people. And it doesn't matter when you start. You can start in high school. You can start in middle school. Tell them start now. Start now. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Start now. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you right now. Had I not, in 2016, at my graduation, told Eric Gordon, superintendent of the Cleveland schools, that I'd be gunning for his title one day, said that publicly. Had I not said that, none of this would have probably happened manifestation none of this would have probably happened Mm -hmm. and it all came and all just rolled out i could still in in saying i could still be here in cleveland that's not me trying to knock cleveland at all but i could still be here and not have experienced any of those things Mm -hmm. and be lost yeah right and so networking and getting in front of people who you know who are in high positions, the worst thing somebody could do is laugh at you and tell you no. <laughs> the answer and is either cares? yes or no. Right. And that's gotten me so far just like realizing, okay, they can only say yes or no. Yeah. Somebody... No is not bad. That just means that's not the opportunity for you. Try again. Try somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it's okay. I had my students do this thing. It's called a six-word story. And mine is take a chance on me, see, with an exclamation point at the end. Love that. Because we don't take chances on urban kids. At all. No. Right? We no. we just don't do that. Mm. And so what my story is, is Eric, he took a chance. He said, this kid, he could have said on May, what was it? May 21st, 2016. Wow. I know that date. <laughs> he could have said, this kid is crazy. He has no idea what he's getting himself into. Mm-hmm. He, he blew me off. Yeah. He took it very, very seriously. And... He's just kept it going. Literally, he'll shoot me a text. He's like, still waiting for you to take the seat. <laughs> like that, I love Those that. are things that you want. And so um, putting yourself out there. Last thing somebody could say, the worst thing somebody could say is no. Right. Who and so, And if they say no, prove them wrong. Yeah. And so with that being said, do you have like any last words, any last piece of advice? It could be about anything that we talked about today. Take a leap. Don't allow for people who tell you no to discourage you. There are a lot of discouraging things in the world. There are a lot of things that may ultimately get you to feel like I can't do something, I won't do something, and I shouldn't do something. That last one is the most important. If you believe that you shouldn't do something, then you surely should be. Because if you tell yourself, I shouldn't do this because the world tells me I shouldn't do this, break that mold. Because the craziest people in life are those who think that they can change the world. Yeah. And so I just want to thank you so much for joining me. Do you want to share your social media handle? Oh, man. I have no idea. What is it? Instagram? What is it? Prez Moody with an S. P-R-E-S-M-O-O-D-Y. Yeah. That's it. That sounds right. Yeah. All right. Once again, thank you so much. Peace and light to everybody listening. Thank you so much for joining me. Follow me on Instagram at BMWBPOD, and that is Black Miss with Black Podcast. I'll talk to you guys soon.